Hey, welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' holy name. I thank you and I praise you for who you are, for all that you've done for us. Lord our God, I ask that you would give us grace and mercy. Jesus, I ask that you would truly give us a sense of what it is you have for us in our lives, Lord. I ask in a special way that you also help us have an understanding of the gift and the limits of athletics and sports. Lord, I just ask that we'd be encouraged on the path that you have for us to walk. I thank you, Lord, that you are a faithful God, that you are merciful, that you give us a fresh start and a new beginning every day. You offer that to us, Lord. Thank you for that. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today on the program, I'm going to bring you in on a presentation I made. So I coach the junior high, 7th and 8th grade girls basketball team at the Oaks, where my kiddos are at school. Uh, and um, as part of that, they have a parent meeting before the season starts. And I get a chance to get up and share my sort of my vision, my goals, things like that. And this isn't going to be... Uh, this is not going to be boring. Trust me. This is going to be relevant. <laughs> this is going to be something that if you at all have kids that have been part of sports, I think you might find it kind of fun uh, and enjoyable, but also insightful because it's it's all traced back to, to faith. It's traced back to um, the uh, life that our children have in Christ. And so in addition to that, I'm going to talk about this book, Kingdom of Happiness, Living the Beatitudes in Everyday Life by Father Jeffrey Kirby. And there are some lessons to be learned here because we are not going to do this book as part of the book club. We got the book. I started to read it. And I said to the good fathers, let's not use our time or use the time of our wonderful listeners on the book club editions of the program because we know how much you enjoy them to use it on a book that's not worth your time, that won't be helpful. And the reason why it's not helpful is that it lacks clarity and it lacks depth. So other than that, it's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it lacks clarity and depth. Clarity about fundamental concepts and depth of understanding, frankly, about the human condition and the redemption that Christ won for us. And, it, and it, I, I want to talk about it for a reason, well, for a couple of reasons. The first is that you have a lot of um, impressive folks who give glowing reviews about the author and the book. And, uh, and the second is the fact that the book got published the way it did. I, I'm, I'm very disappointed in the, the editor and the publisher uh, of this book because it just lacks clarity and by clarity, I mean like precision. Uh, it, it, it is, it's just not helpful. So it, it uses a lot of religious words. It's just not helpful, though. It does, it's not helpful because it's muddy. The concepts are muddy. They're, they're, and they're, there's, it lacks depth. It's just really very sad. So I'm going to mention some of that. I, I don't mean to be harsh, but I, I do mean uh, to be. Uh, someone has said, clear is kind. It's some kind of famous author in, in terms of leadership, I don't know, Brene Brown, I think is her name. Uh, and it was a, an executive I was coaching. And, and when she talked about uh, speaking words that are not necessarily affirming, um, but were attempts to be clear. Uh, and even if it was a critical thing, it was clear as kind. And, um, and, and sometimes we just need to hear that. Okay, so I think we need some clarity and some kindness and hopefully some depth into understanding the place of sports. Now, you know that my kids play sports. We talk about sports, Carrie and I, and, and I do quite a bit, but I don't have a chance to share that much about um, sort of my background of coaching. So maybe once a year, every couple of years, I'll, I'll kind of bring this back up just because sports can play such a big part in people's lives. And uh, it's something that Carrie and I have put into question in our own thinking about the place that sports has. And, uh, oh, in fact, I just, I watched a documentary about 
this fellow who was sort of the LeBron James before LeBron James in, in his like sixth grade through his like junior year in high school just was dominant. But it was at a time before the internet would allow for people to become that famous. But he became just well known. And unfortunately, uh, he ended up having an injury and then just as, through a variety of circumstances, things went badly for him. And his mom just shared at the end that uh, it was this sort of AAU basketball or just sort of the organized basketball just basically just destroyed his life. And it was just so sad because you had all this, these different clips of the mom as, as the son was gaining more and more national attention. Um, how she was right there and just saying, keeping him grounded, keeping him humble, and then just sort of like stumble, 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 and and then to watch him in his life. And she's just like at the end of the documentary in tears, just saying, you know, basketball, it, you know, they chewed him up and they just spit him out and basically ruined his life. It's just like, oh, what a sadness. What a great sadness. Well, obviously, I'm not getting that traumatic, but I do know this so that. Carrie and I have been blessed with nine children, as you know, and um, we love sports. Carrie and I played a lot of sports growing up, and, and so we've got our kids involved in sports, right? All nine of them have played on some organized teams. In fact, I counted them up, and our kids have been involved in more than 95 teams. <laughs> That's a lot of teams, uh, in the last, I think it's 18 years, um, about 18 years ago was when our oldest joined her first team. And so just at a variety of uh, sports and at a variety of levels, but um, in a number of sports they've played at, let's call it the highest organized level or at a very high organized level, you know, whether it's club or premier or whatever you want to call the advanced level leagues. And I've coached myself a number of times. And you know what? I've learned a ton from um, watching, you know, 90 different uh, coaches coach my kids. And, you know, being a coach myself, I think it's five different, six, seven different times coaching my own kids. And there are some key insights that I want to share that that inform how I coach. And it informs how I approach sports. And I think it's, it's important. Some of the things that that I'll share. The first is this: no one's going pro. No one's going pro. And, and okay, there is the one in five thousand that actually gets to a, a professional level. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it's like if we could bring one message to parents, you know, your child is a gift, is a gift from God. Yes, your child is a gift. And your child has gifts, but your child's not going pro. And so you can relax, just dial it back a bit, (laughs) take the game for what it is, right? And I cannot tell you how many times I've been on the sidelines or in the stands watching parents be there with their kids and uh, the level of investment, the intensity, the money, the extensiveness of the, the commitments that these parents pour into their kids, all in the dream somehow that their kid's going to go pro. Their kid, they got the gift. They, they're gifted. They got the gift. And it just skews their whole perspective on, on that child and that child's life. And the sports, those teams are ready to just draw them in, ready to just just absorb, to, to suck up their time, their energy, their commitment, their money, having them practice for hours, hours a day and many days a week and, and tournaments and traveling. And it, it, it really, it, it's like, wait a minute, is there any kind of balance to this? Is there any, where is all this headed? What's the good at stake? And that's one of the reasons why I love having my kids at a school that participates in a faith-based sports league. And this faith-based sports league is called the Mountain Christian League. They're playing against other faith-based schools. And, and, and you know what that means on the one hand? It means they're not going to be part of these typical state tournaments that run across the state of Washington. 
And, and you know what the trade-off is? They get to play against other Christian kids, and they get to play on a team that has faith as a basis of who they are and what they're about. I would never trade it. Never. It's just not worth what it costs, the, the trade-off. And to be able to just say, I want my kids to be able to develop and, and to grow in their skill and ability, but they're not going pro. And you know what? That's okay. They can have a great experience in their high school years and, and you know, grow in their athletic ability to be able to, to go beyond that in, into college where they can play in an intramural team or who knows, maybe even make a college team. But here's one of the traps that so many parents get drawn into is that they get them to participate in a high-level sport, a high-level team in a sport, soccer, volleyball, or basketball. And, and this team is promising them. There's the promise of college scholarship. And the college scholarship that ends up coming is most often partial, most often Division three at best. And it ends up being at a school that, among all things, you wouldn't want your kid pick. You, you'd never pick that school for your child. And so it's like the tail wags the dog for that rare few that end up getting the scholarship is they end up getting a scholarship at a level that is not going to lead anywhere in terms of any kind of professional life. And it'll be at a school that isn't the ideal for your kid anyways. And, and, and really, is that what it's going to be all about? And it ends up being a partial scholarship where, gosh, you know what? Was that worth what it cost? Was it worth what it cost? And for the great, great majority of kids and their families, the sacrifices that they make in having their kids participate in these high-level teams in these sports, it's not worth what it cost. The sacrifices that are asked of the family financially, time-wise, and, and really, frankly, for, for someone that has a lot of kids, it's practically impossible to to have a balanced sense of family life and have your kid participate at that high level just because of the way it ends up dividing the team, uh, dividing the family. So, so if I could just begin with one thing, what is the ultimate vision for you have for your child is that they would become godly competitors, that somehow their participation in sports would help them grow into godly young men and women. And so, that for me would be just a, a first starting point. Yes, of course, yes, of course, yes, of course. Sports can make a big difference in a kid's life in terms of discipline, in terms of uh, some, uh, dying to one's own desires for the sake of the, the wider team, uh, being able to learn to play a part, being willing to uh, exercise, again, all the discipline and the sacrifice that's involved in achieving a goal outside themselves, right? In fact, that, that's a big deal when it comes to forming young men. You know, you call what's what Aquinas calls the bonum arduum, right? The difficult good. The difficult good is, is what's going to turn a boy into a man. It's what's going to make a, a, a self-centered or selfish young man or woman into a young man or woman that will learn to live for a good, for, some, for something that's valuable, that's not just satisfying to them, that's not comfortable for them, that's not easy for them. But there's a pouring out, there's a giving over, there's a dying to self, there's a sacrificing of time, effort, and energy, there's the, the pouring out for the sake of some other good. And often that can happen in sports. So, yes, sports can teach some fundamental lessons, but not only sports. But when those lessons aren't what comes from the sport, where, where the child ends up getting applauded and lauded and, and celebrated because of their own talent, that's not leading them to a spirit of self-sacrifice and living for others. And so even that, that difficult good is not leading to a holy, godly character. So... There's so much there in just realizing you're not going pro, but can we get a difficult good to occur through participation in sports? Can we help our child to be able to grow? That would be, that would be a great outcome. 
that would be a very valuable outcome. So when we come back, I want to talk a bit more about some of the goals that I have as a coach and how I accomplish them. But again, I'm going to connect it back to our life of faith, our life as disciples today on the program. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So I'm sharing a bit about um, coaching because I coach my daughter's seventh and eighth grade basketball team. The season starts next week. We had a parents meeting last night. And I want to share with you some of the, like, let's call it the truths of our faith as they apply to uh, coaching a team. And um, it also is, is just fundamental for understanding life. Like I mentioned, you know, I've watched my kids be part of 95 different teams, you know, so across the nine kids, how many teams have my kids played for? So yeah, it was like 95 plus. It's more than that. And what I've discovered is that the difference between or the biggest factor that impacts whether a team will be mediocre or whether it'll achieve its highest potential, right? It'll be as competitive as, that, as it can be, is, is the coach. It really is. And I don't mean is the coach, you know, uh, more affirming or does the coach bark and, and is driven, but really the biggest factor is having a coach who is strategic. A coach who is strategic. Now, I use that word strategic very intentionally. A strategic coach is someone who says, I know that we have a goal. Here's the goal. The goal is to win the game, right? Of course. But then what's the right path to get there? What's the right path to take for us to get to that goal? And a strategic coach is someone who's going to be able to look at the team and identify what the assets are, the strengths are of the players that are there, and understand what the obstacles are, and then be able to say, how do we remove these obstacles or overcome them? and get over them, around them, et cetera? And then how do we leverage the strengths of the players that we have on the team? And it is one of the biggest frustrations for me when I watch a coach coach a bunch of players who have a lot of talent and end up not being able to get them to be at their best because they just lack basic sense of strategy. Um, and so so that's the first thing. And, and I, let me share that with regards to life, in our life of faith. We need to have a clear sense of a goal. Like, what's the goal of our family? So just as a for instance. So the other night, um, I was calling my my boys over uh, to pray our family rosary. And uh, my daughter, they had missed the family prayer time. So I said, we're going to pray a rosary together. And um, I said, okay, guys, here's why it's so important to pray. I said, when... Why is it important for us to pray a rosary? I know you're tired. I know it's going to be hard to pay attention. I know that for you, sometimes it's just a rote prayer. You're just saying the, the prayers of the Hail Mary or the glory, whatever. And, and I know that your mind is going to wander, but here's what I want you to know. You will face and maybe are facing right now in your life a sense of stress and pressure, you're maybe a bit afraid or confused. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you're in some darkness and you're a bit overwhelmed by life. I said, when we pray, we're nurturing our union with God. And when we nurture our union with the Lord, with, with the living God, God will cause to arise in you he will he will surge within you he will grace you with peace with a sense of freedom he will wash away the anxiety 
He will bring clarity where right now you might be confused. He will give you a sense of trust that everything's going to be fine. That will wash away the fear. I said, I know in your life you will face these things. If not right now, if everything's going fine right now, I know that on a regular basis, you are going to have these things be part of what you're feeling on the inside. And what I want you to know is God is the living God. And that Jesus, Jesus wants to be so real to you and so alive in you. We want that life of faith to be so vital, vibrant, and flourishing in you that when you pray, you'll sense God's presence, experience his power, and you'll move into that space of light and refreshment and peace. So that's why we pray. That's why I am insistent. That's why I'm demanding. That's why I'm, I, I don't give you options when it comes to our family prayer and our praying of the rosary. It's that I, I'm your father, and I've got this role to play in your life where if I hide these things from you, if I don't tell you that doing family prayer is more than just a religious obligation that emerges in our family because it's our custom and we're Catholic and that's what Catholics do. Praying the rosary is more than just something that you do because, well, we heard that phrase, the family that stays together prays together and pray a family rosary every day and you're going to get blessed somehow. No, I said, look, I want this for you because I want you to be able to access that sense of faith as a union with God. I want you to be able to access that union with God that is in you. And I want that to to be nurtured. I want your union with the Lord to grow. And that means prayer. That's what happens in prayer. And if, if you notice what I said, my language is very intentional. My language isn't, I want you to pray because then you'll experience peace. I want you to pray because then you'll experience joy. No, that, that's not it. It's, I want you to pray because you'll nurture, you'll develop, you'll deepen your union with God through Jesus Christ. I want a deeper, more profound, life-giving union with the living God. A relationship that's personal, that's intimate, that's profound, and that's life-giving. That's what I want for you. And that's what God wants for you. And that's why you pray. You pray to, to express and to grow in that relationship. That's, that's strategy <laughs> right there, right? So what's the path to the goal? My goal is life with God forever in heaven. The, the path to get there is to... Leverage the gifts and the assets that God's given to us to overcome the obstacles. Well, the obstacles are sin and the effects of sin and the realities of living in the fallen world where I know my kids are going to, to, are going to fall short. They're going to settle for less. They're going to sin in their thoughts, their words, their deeds, or their omissions. And when they do those things, it's going to have negative effects on their life. I will not be a good father if I'm not telling them how to address it. If I, I will fail as a father to lead and provide and protect them if I'm not teaching them how to pray, praying with them, and praying for them. Those are the things that are required of me as a good father. And so that's why we pray. Anyway, so that, that's, a, that's a pretty long thing, but you see what I've done there is don't just say to your kids, or don't just, in your own self, say, well, I've got to pray my family rosary because, or my own personal rosary because, well, it's an obligation. Now, if, if, that's, if that's what it takes to get you launched, then do that. If that's what it takes to get you to take the action on a particular day because there's nothing else 
that is in your mind to move you into that place, then, then that's fine. Let that be okay. Let that, uh, to be honest with you, sometimes that's what it is for me to get to Mass. Right? If I'm going to Mass today and going to Mass as a daily basis, it is, well, I want to say it's routine. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible admission. It's routinely the case that it would be easier for me not to go to Mass on a particular day than it would be to go to Mass on a particular day. Sometimes it's a matter of, I just don't feel like it, right? Oh, it'd just be so much nicer just to sit here and, and drink my cup of coffee and um, and just visit with my kids or with Carrie before they head off to, to, to school in their day. It'd be easier just to stay home. You know, uh, sometimes it is a matter of, oh, I have so many things to do today for my work, meetings that I have coming up, folks I'm helping with real estate, and and I've just got so many things to do on my to-do list that I'm not getting them done. How can I possibly give all of this time to go to daily mass? Not terrible, but sometimes that's what crowds in and attempts to push out the priority of going to mass. And it's a matter of saying, no, 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 beyond what I feel, Beyond the pressures that will attempt to dislodge, I have been graced to be able to have the space in my life to make that decision to go to Mass. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Despite what I feel, despite the pressures coming from around me, I'm just going to do it. And so sometimes, yeah, that's, that's what it takes. Uh, and that's not always what it is, right? Sometimes there is the... I cannot believe I've got the incredible gift of being able to go to Mass. I'm going to go to Mass. What a gift to be able to receive communion. And I need to go. I need to go because there are souls that are approaching death right now, and they're about to die, and they are not in a state of grace. I need to go for them. I need to pray because now and at the hour of our death, I'm somehow sharing in their condition. I'm, I'm going to go before the Lord on their behalf and pray for them. Or I need to go because I know my kids, some of them are struggling, and I need to get that in place. I need to get that in order. And so, uh, Lord, please help me. Help me to get this in order for their sake and go to Mass and be praying for them. So lots of different things to do, lots of different ways to uh, be able to find that motivation to say, this is what I need to do today. This actually connects to another theme that I consider so important in coaching. And it's just not the fact that a coach who is strategic is going to help someone reach their highest potential, a team or an individual. But I'd say a second factor that is so critical for a coach is getting the team to play as a team. And this is, this is biblical is what it is. Um, it's Romans 12, verse 4 to 6. So listen to that. So, just as each of us has one body with many members, and not all the members have the same function, so too we, though many members, are one body in Christ and, uh, and individually members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the favor bestowed on each of us. This is so powerful. Let me say this one more time, because this is, this is not only a team. A, team, a sports team, can, you can actually see it. But this is also families. This is parishes. This is the church. This is really critical for us to know as a family, for husband and wives to know this. Just as each of us, again, Romans 12, 4 to 6, just as each of us has one body with many members, and not all the members have the same function, so too we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of, a num of another. We have gifts that differ according to the favor bestowed on each of us. Let's just start at the end. We have gifts that differ according to the amount of effort we've placed into things and how much we've been able to figure out on our own. No. 
No, 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 no. We have gifts that differ according to the favor bestowed. That's mercy. That's gift. That's grace. That's from God. We have gifts that differ according to the favor, the graces that the Lord has so generously and freely given to each of us. That means we're stewards, my brothers and sisters. You see, we're one body in Christ and individually members one to another. What that means is, is that, listen now, you and I have been gifted differently, but we have a part to play. Each of us has a part to play. I don't know why God has planted us here on earth at this time, you and me, but we have a part to play. We have a part to play in helping the church step forward. It's, it's easy to be critical. It's easy to be, to, to be negative. But to be able to say, Lord, why have you blessed me even with the ability to see the, the, the things that are challenging, the things that are dark or the things that are limited? Lord, I, I want to use the gifts you've given to me for your glory, for advancing the, the, the growth and holiness of, of myself, of my spouse, of my children, of, of the parish, of, of the wider church. And, and figuring out how to do that is about stewardship. Stewardship means you've been entrusted. You have been entrusted, my brothers and sisters. We've been entrusted differently, right? Some of you have been entrusted with being born into a home that is intact and healthy. Some of you have been born into a home that involved a lot of um, opportunity in the eyes of the world, right? So whether it's educational opportunity, financial opportunity, whether it's uh, connections, right? Connections that you've been able to make that, that just come with literally the way you were born. It's like being proud of how tall you are. <laughs> what did you have to do with how tall you are? Nothing. It was just genetics. It was, it was, what, it was how you were born, right? It's like that. There's a stewardship that comes with just literally the place where God has, has had you be born, the time in which God has had you be born. And so for us to realize that the gifts we've been given have been given to us for a purpose. And we ought to think about that. We ought to pay attention to that. We ought to ask ourselves, Lord, what's that all about? And then act in accord with the discernment we have with regards to what glorifies him. I'll be back in a minute with more Sun Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. If you're enjoying this program, please do me a favor. You can be a gift to me. You can go to mycatholicfaith.org, and there you'll have a link to the podcast, the Dr. Tom Curran podcast on Apple Podcasts, or it's on Spotify, it's on other places. Wherever you listen to podcasts, when you get to mine, subscribe to it. Give a five-star review, like, you know, rate it, give a review for it, because that will help advance how it can grow. I almost never ask for things like this, but I guess it's a pretty common thing to do to ask folks to take a step like that and help to advance what it is um, they're doing so that more people will know about it. So that's one way that you can be of help to me. So if you listen to Apple Podcasts, look up the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast, the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast, and just click on, give it a review. If you would, if you're really blessed by it, five stars. If you can type, write in some kind words, that would be awesome, and subscribe to it. And then Apple will say, hmm, this guy's podcast should be promoted to some other people who don't know about it yet, to people who like other things that maybe you like will get visibility to this. So there you go. <laughs> All right, stewardship. Carrie said to me one time when I was being critical about a guy I was helping, she said to me, Tom, why don't you stop critiquing him and try to help him and start praying for him? That's what it was. Why don't you stop critiquing him and start praying for him? And it really got, it was really a challenge for me because here I am trying to be generous and trying to be helpful and, um, finding out that he was not responding like well and, and not taking action. And I'm like, why am I giving my time like this? Why am I doing this? And, and, and she listened to me complain for a while. And she just said, Tom, you'd be a lot better off if you just prayed for him instead of complained about him. And so I did. I started to pray for him. And when I started to pray for him, I started complaining to God about him. <laughs> 
I started saying, Lord, let me pray for him. You know, Lord, he seems to be not someone who doesn't get it. He's just not very grateful for all the stuff that I've been doing. And and Lord, he's just not being responsive. He's just really being slow to take action on these wonderful insights I'm bringing him. And um, and the Lord, what I sensed the Lord communicate back to me as I started to pray for him like that was, well, that's why I've sent you. I've sent you to bring... Um, I've sent you to bring him the insights that I've entrusted to you. I've generously given these to you so that you could hand them on to him. And so that all by itself was a great challenge. I'm like, wow, Lord, I was considering myself the owner of the insights that you, that he had given to me. And um, instead I was a steward what was given to me was given to me not only for myself, but for, for his sake. And here I was complaining about the fact that I had to hand on these insights to him. And I said, but Lord, you know, he's not even, he doesn't, he's never even thanked me for all the time and, and all the ways I've poured out into him. And, and the Lord's response back to me was, how do you like it? <laughs> how do you like it? Like, you know, Tom, welcome to my world where I'm pouring into you all the time. And are you grateful? Are you grateful to me for all that I've done for you? And so I have, um, I have uh, just taken that as like just a signal, just as one of those signs that I need to be really careful when it comes to comparing and looking at others and focused more on myself and just saying, am I being a good steward of what the Lord has given to me? Am I being a faithful steward and a grateful steward to what he's given to me? My brothers and sisters, if, if you're listening to this program on Sacred Heart Radio, or if you're listening to it after the fact on a podcast, you're someone who is uh, a person of faith. You're Catholic, most likely. There are some uh, Christians that also listen to the program, I know. Uh, but you're a follower of Christ, and you're being intentional about it. First, first thought, when was the last time that you just said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift of the faith you've given to me. Help me never to take it for granted. I, I was listening to a homily, and this homily was about... Uh, how when we sin, listen to the kind of homilies I'm listening to. <laughs> when we sin, we don't realize we don't we don't realize the consequences that come from our sin. We don't realize the damage that's going to uh, appear in our own lives. That somehow we think that when we come outside of the hedge of protection of God's kingdom when we come out from under his hand of protection and blessing, that we're going to be able to manage and mitigate any kind of negative impacts. We don't realize the way that things will, um, uh, I don't want to say spin out of control, that sounds too dramatic, but things will start to fall apart that were only kept together by the mercy of God. Okay, did you hear that? Like, so the ex one of the examples was when a father sins, the hedge of protection over their children's lives, in particular connected to that sin, becomes diminished or becomes removed. And then all of a sudden, your kids or those that you're connected to in life, right? all of a sudden begin to experience temptations and find themselves more easily falling into sin. They find less strength to resist, a weakened will and confusion in their passions and darkness and confusion in their intellect regarding what is the right thing to do. All because, not in part because, at least in part because, the Father has wandered away from the path of holiness. And, you know, I hear that in the homily, 
And I think to myself, where have I seen that in my life? I try to pay attention to those times in my life where I may be sinning in my thoughts, in my words, in my deeds, or my omissions, right? It's all of those, any one of those. But the thing that can remain the most secret, I think, are the thoughts. Right? Sitting in our thinking, that means in our imagination, in our memory, in our, uh, in our thought life, right? In our, in our own reasoning. We start falling into sin. And then paying attention to, is there a lack of peace in the home? Is there a diminished sense of openness to each other and willingness to, to serve each other, to give to each other kindness and, and patience towards each other? And the ability to try to sense the connection between the two, it's, it's really worth thinking about. It's worth pondering. And so I, I think about that, and I'm like, if, if fathers knew that, if husbands knew that, don't you think that would be a help? Like, a, again, a hedge of protection against falling into sin. That we are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We have different functions, but we're one body. And as a father, as a husband and a father, I have a function in this family that calls forth from me holiness and the vigorous pursuit of holiness and a radical battling against temptation and sin and a willingness to forego what is easy and pleasant, what is satisfying and comfortable, and the willingness to take up actions that are sacrificial for the sake of, of the good of, of those we love. That, that's important, my brothers and sisters. That's a, an important part of our stewardship. That stewardship that is ours as members of the body of Christ. All right, I'm up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to circle back around, and I want to talk about this book, Kingdom of Happiness, and finish up a couple of last comments on this parents' coaching meeting that I had <laughs> this last night uh, as I um, get ready to launch into coaching my eighth-grade daughter and her basketball team. So beginning next week, I'm excited about that. All right, be back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kearns. Great to be with you today. So I was uh, sharing with you a bit about this uh, presentation I gave to parents last night as part of being the coach of this junior high team and wanting to give you some principles and insights that I um, brought to bear that are connected to our faith. But also, guess what? They show up in how you coach a team. And so, for instance, um, one of the biggest challenges that you'll find a coach has um, if they're being, if they're trying to approach sports in a way that's balanced, in a way that, uh, uh, in a way that is integrating faith, like I talked about, the goal is creating godly competitors. Yes, you want to compete, and that means competing means winning, right? And so you want to compete to win. You want to compete to to shine at your very brightest and do your very best, and, and hopefully with an outcome that brings a victory. But not winning at all costs, having a godly comp competitors. So godly competitors means that. You're going to always always act in a godly way. And that's not necessarily easy. <laughs> I saw that two nights ago. So two nights ago, um, my daughter's high school team was playing against uh, another, uh, another team. And unfortunately, this team was just super aggressive. And they had referees that were letting them play that way. And it was it was uh, kind of it was sad because it didn't have that sense of um, uh, uh, godly competitiveness, right? It, there was uh, there was definitely a sense of competitiveness, but there wasn't this sense of we're gonna play, we're gonna do this in a way that also honors Christ. We're gonna treat these competitors of ours as sisters in Christ, and 
And by that, I don't mean going soft, but it does mean not playing dirty, not playing so aggressive that um, that uh, it's something that is is potentially hurtful, right? There's actually you can actually hurt or injure another player, and and I and I blame that I blame that in part on the coach, right? Because the coach is either permitting it or promoting it. Uh, permitting it, you know, it's like players that are just sort of out of their control or promoting it saying, be so aggressive that you actually could potentially end up hurting another player as somehow a sign of, um, as a sign of leaving it all out on the court or, or um, that's, you know, you go as hard as, as the refs will let you, which it's just a, that's a terrible thing. And in fact, when I think about um, high school sports for girls, the sport that um, is most attractive to us is volleyball, because um, especially two very, very popular girls sports, um, as soon as you start approaching high school and you get to high school, become very physical and and masculine in, in, in their physicality are basketball and soccer. And so that's those are two sports that are very difficult for girls to play and at the high school level in a way that will allow them to manifest authentic femininity um, because of, of the way that the game has been fostered. And, and that, for me, that, that's a loss when, when, that has, when that's what happens. So anyways, so when, I, when I'm working with kids at, again, a much younger, younger age, 7th and 8th grade um, girls, um, I talk about, how do you bridge together this idea of having a goal of winning, but also wanting to give playing time to parents? Because parents are there uh, to players that are maybe not the starters, right? Um, a lot of um, it, it's like coaches don't re- remember that parents that have are having their kids invest all of this time on a team. They're there to watch their kids play. They're not there to watch the team play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're there to watch the team play, but they want to see their own kid play, and so. That is not an easy thing to balance, but what I what I uphold as my ideal is yes, winning each game, but at the same time giving each player a winning experience in each game. A winning experience. By that I mean that on the car ride home, the when you're driving your kid home, you'll you'll have something to talk about, like that moment when you were at the center of attention, where you had that chance to shine, where you had that chance to to have you know to have the ball to be in the center of the action, so that there'll be some some wonderful memories there. Like I call that meaningful minutes. Meaningful minutes. It might not be the equal minutes, but meaningful minutes means that you get to be on the court when it matters, and that matters. It matters to parents. So, so what that does is it puts the emphasis not just on what gifts a, a kid has, what a gifts a player has, but the gift that player is, and. Making sure that that child, that young adult, has a chance to be able to be at the center of attention. So, like one of the things that I'll do is I'll change up the starting lineup, and when they announce the starting lineup, and we do that at the at home games, is it gives a chance for a child to hear their a player to have their their name said out loud. It's just it's a, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful moment when. When you have a player, they, they could have their kid's name said out loud and they get to run out on the court as, as a starter. I know that might sound like a little thing, but for young, for, for young people in their tween years, especially girls, right? But all, any young person that's reaching their tween years and their early teens, they, they're reaching that, that stage in their life where that sense of who they are, that sense of self-consciousness is what is emerging inside of them. And having that sense of self is, is a very vulnerable time where the kids will begin to wonder, like, I'm no longer just immersed in my own family unit, but I, I'm, I have this sense that I'm a person. And am I acceptable? Am I, am I beautiful? Where do I belong? Who will name me as good? Who will, who will receive me and, and even acknowledge me or celebrate me, right? That those are really fundamental experiences for, for kids to have. And, and for you, again, this, is, this isn't just basketball team stuff. This is family stuff. This is what 
is so important for us to remember in our kids is that it's important to, to be able to call them out, to recognize that I see you as a person, that you're a gift from God. Not that you have gifts and that you're performing well, right? That uh, in all these ways that you're being measured in grades and, and um, in other accolades that would come your way in whatever realm. No, just you're a delight in my eyes. The Lord delights in you and I delight in you. And I want you to know that the Lord has placed you on this earth in this moment as a gift, that that there's a a preciousness about you, a uniqueness and irreplaceability about you. And that gift that you are is something that I want you to sense when you look into my eyes. That's something that you sense when you see how I relate to you. That's something that you experience that I want you to know you belong. Now, that doesn't mean you're always doing uh, things in accord with that, that you're not always behaving in ways that are a gift. <laughs> Certainly not. But that doesn't touch the more fundamental reality that you are a gift. And so that's an important part of us as, as being parents or a husband to a wife or even in, in a work setting, right? The, when, when anybody that you meet, the, the person that's serving you, it's like how you look them in the eyes, how, how you are present to them can be an incredible gift. I think about that when I'm talking with people on the phone and I'm calling like some kind of customer service that they're often going to be encountering people who are complaining, who are in a bad in a bad way. They're not in a they're not in a good mood and and they're calling because they've got some problem and and the problem is with you and in you, you know, your service and in and it's like, okay, if I can call them in a way that says, that, that can lift them up, that can make them like smile, that can help them realize that even if I do have a problem with you know, your company or I'm trying to solve a problem, that I can be kind to you. I can be, um, I can be uh, positive and uh, enthusiastic because you're a child of God. And uh, God's destined us for heaven. Like I was talking to Carrie about, um, this um, new uh, uh, potential uh, uh, person that I would be serving in their business. And, and she was saying, you know, this, this person, God could have brought this person to your life for his glory, for, um, for this person to be able to be brought closer to God. And, and I'm like, that's a beautiful perspective. Yeah, maybe that's what this is really all about, is about the way that God wants to use me to be a gift to this person to help this person come closer to him, come closer to to faith in him. And I'm thinking, if I can do that, that would make it all worth it. That would make it worthwhile. So, all right, I'm I'm getting close to the end of my program. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to dig into this kingdom of happiness and and some of the limitations of the book. I guess I'm going to have to hold off on that till, uh, till tomorrow. All right, so... Each of us, in our own way, is going to have those times and seasons where we are coaching, right? Whether or not it's in the role of a coach, but it's in that place where we're called upon to help lift up and encourage. We're called to help someone shine their brightest and be at their best. And I hope that some of these things that I've shared with you, maybe they're an encouragement. That's my hope. All right. God bless your day. Please join me tomorrow for more sound insight. And again, if you want to be a blessing to me, you can go to... Apple Podcast or your other favorite podcast network and just subscribe to the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. All right. God bless you.